KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right. Good Saturday morning and welcome to KMOX Helitech Home Improvement Show. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Rich Orris. I'm filling in for Scott Mosby, who is out on assignment today. But don't fret. Don't worry. I have Scott's back right here for the next two hours. So anything that you need, anything you may need about your home, feel free. Give me a call. Looking forward to hearing from everybody today. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So for myself, I am a senior home consultant for Mosby Building Arts. I've been uh, kind of run through the mill trained and working with Scott Mosby for almost 20 years now. And, um, you know, I started as a in the field as a project manager, buying out, scheduling, building really some of the best remodeling projects in St. Louis. And um, so one might say I've kind of been washed, hand-dried, and put away in the shelf in the cupboard by Scott Mosby himself. So again, here for you today, anything you need about your home, anything going on, um, got a lot of information for you today, but my primary job, my primary goal is to help you, the listener, with whatever ails you about your home. So if you're getting ready for Christmas, maybe, or um, maybe you're just sprucing things up, getting ready for old St. Nick to come in, you know, let's talk about it. Maybe you're finding some things that you're just not quite sure about. You've seen some things with the change in the weather or the rain that we've had the past day and a half, uh, maybe some leaks or some things going on, water around the house. We can talk a bit about that, but Again, the phone lines wide open, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So I do, um, I would like to kind of start off with some things that, you know, Mosby Building Arts is is doing through the month of December. So um, we have our uh, food drive that we're doing, and this is really you know, with COVID and everything, we're trying to do this a little bit different. I know it's been talked about, but I just wanted to kind of remind everybody. So we've, you know, here at Mosby, we've got a food drive going and we're not doing our big event at the office and, and having all the people and all the close contact this year like we normally do. So this is more virtual online Go to our website, callmosby.com. That's C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. You can find the link right there. It'll be one of the first things to go to the food drive and just donate anything that you can. So this is with Operation Food Search. So, and, and you know, we kicked this off two weeks ago and I was so excited because in the the first day that we announced it that first weekend on the radio we collected thirty three hundred dollars in the first week actually had a listener between the hours of this show um, get on there and donate a thousand dollars to really you know basically a third of what we did in the first week there 
you know, congratulations. I want to thank everybody for that. And just remind everybody, go there. If you go through our website, then Mosby will match up to $5,000 in donations. And you will be registered for a $100 Amazon gift card giveaway to one lucky person that donates. So do all that. And if you are, you know, looking and thinking about, you know, doing some, some, some work around your house, um, you know, we can talk in a bit about, you know, the reasons to start thinking now about your, your spring projects, your exterior projects. There, there's a ton of reasons to start that thinking process, how busy everyone is and delays with COVID and stuff like that is really, um, you know, a, another good reason to plan for that. So if you call us up, if you get if you get with us before the 15th, we've got a 10% discount on some exterior projects, right bath projects, and window siding, doors, stuff like that. So give us a call and get some stuff scheduled for that. So for now, let's jump on the phone lines to uh, Mark. He's got a question for us. So Mark, um, are you with us there? I am. How are you today? I'm doing very well, sir. Thanks for calling in. What do you have going on? We have bought a modular home down on the lake, and it has holes in the sheetrock. And you're familiar with modular homes. They put the quarter-inch sheetrock in there, and they don't mud the seams. They just put that little strip up through there. I'm not wanting to replace each piece that has the hole in it. Is there another method of repairing the holes in the sheetrock? Um, so, so how big are the holes that we're talking about? Some of them are tape and muddable, but some okay. of them are, you know, say eight to 10 inches. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, either way, um, on that, that quarter inch drywall, you can, um, do a patch to that. You can, you know, buy some drywall you you definitely want to get that quarter inch thickness get the the same exact thickness uh, and if you don't because these modular homes you know how they they frame them and, and everything goes on it's not always the same as is conventional so if there isn't any kind of framing or backing behind that to attach the the new drywall to you can actually add like pieces of you know, like a one by four on each side and basically kind of hold it in there and, and screw it to the existing drywall, you know, and do maybe a strip on each side and then, you know, cut and screw your new piece in, kind of locking it all together with that, that one by or that two by, you know, backing it that way and holding it in there. Then you do your typical tape and mud. And of course, on the smaller ones, there's, you know, you can just tape and mud, or if they're just a hair bigger um, than like a piece of tape, there is material that you can buy, um, like patches for drywall that's that's harder and, and pretty thin, but it's a harder surface with some paper over it. And you can buy it in various sizes, like four inches or six inches or three inches. And you kind of tape and mud that. It's just kind of like that medium-sized drywall patch. Now, the only downside to one of those is if you're in a spot where you might want to hang a picture or do something like that later on, you really don't have anything back there in that hole. So if you get to that same spot, you're not really going to be able to, 
you know, hang a picture or something like that very well on that exact spot. But if it's in a location where that's not even, you know, really a, a thought or, or a possibility, then yeah, those, those patches work really well for, you know, if you have about a one or two inch, you know, circle hole, like a golf ball or something, um, right. just where it's, you know, a little too big for the paper tape, those, those harder patches work really well. So yep, you, it can be you done. Those up at? Um, they should have them in, you know, the big box stores, Lowe's, Home Depot, right. stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they should they should have them in there by the drywall stuff, you know, hidden somewhere around there, or in the, or in the paint, you know, if you ask somebody, I'm sure they have them, but they are they are very easy to do, a little less work, um, and it's just like taping and mudding, so not a big deal, you know, if you're fluent with taping and mudding to get that taken care of, um, then right. of course you just paint, you know, right. sand you, it up and paint it from there, so. Um, no problem. I appreciate the call and, uh, good luck on the DIY drywall endeavors there, Mark. I appreciate it. So, and for everybody else, feel free to give us a shout, call in any questions you need. We're going to get into our first break here and, um, have some more topics and stuff for you when we return and hopefully a few more of your phone calls. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we are back. Rich Orris here, filling in the shoes today for Scott Mosby for the next two hours. So appreciate the call so far. Um, looking to, to see how I can still help everybody out there. So maybe if you've been doing stuff around your house, maybe you found some things. If you haven't, maybe, you know, the rain stopped. So take a walk about around the house, check things out, look for things. There's a lot we should be doing here in December. So if you see anything, if you notice anything, Give me a call today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And speaking of the phone lines, we have Bob has some plumbing stuff going on, I believe, uh, on the line with us. Bob, are you there? Hey, Bob, can you hear me? Not getting anything from Bob. Uh, we must have lost Bob, so that's okay. Bob, if you are out there, feel free. Looking forward to hearing from you. Give us a call back. We'll get you on as soon as we can. And everybody else, the same deal for you. So give me a shout. And so for right now, you know, it's been, it's been, it was nice this past few days. Uh, man, temperatures in the 60s. Then all of a sudden you get the cold coming in fast, you get the rain, you know, things start to expand and, and, and shrink as the inside of your house dries up. Um, it is December and we are going to have a lot going on around our houses with the change in the seasons here. And, uh, you know, it was nice that it was so warm for a few days there. I think, you know, maybe someone up above is kind of saying, Let's give them a COVID break and get some warm weather where, you know, people can st still get outside a little bit and check things out. So 
if you've done that and you have any questions, feel free to call in. Um, but it is, like I was saying, it is December and there's a lot of different things that, you know, we should be doing in the month of December thinking about. And, you know, one of the biggest on the list is obviously if you haven't had it done yet, check the furnace, you know, have your furnace checked out, you know, when as some cold temperatures hit, I mean, it is definitely the time with winter coming to make sure that your unit can handle everything that's in store, you know, get that routine check done um, and just make sure that everything's good. You definitely don't want to have, you know, something happen all of a sudden and you're out of, out of heat there. So, you know, replace the filters and have it checked out by a professional, make sure everything's good because this winter is definitely going to get cold. So, your pipes, you know, like um, uh, think of all the different plumbing pipes. Like, you know, we had to call about the modular homes or if you're in, you know, um, a trailer home or something like that. You really want to think about uh, frozen pipes, you know, it, protecting those pipes, getting the, the heat wrap on them, heat wrap tape or something like that, insulating them or just remembering to plug that in as it's getting colder now um, if you already have something like that set up for your home a lot of older homes in st louis get you know air infiltration full masonry walls getting really really cold so we've always had the theories you know if you have that type of stuff to like leave the the faucet dripping leave your cabinet doors underneath your sink open so it can mix with some air in the home so that it can help prevent some of these pipes from, you know, freezing and everything. But December is also a great month to clean up the kitchen. Just think about your kitchen, what you're going to be doing for Christmas, but what you've probably just went through for Thanksgiving. So, you know, great time to really give your appliances a deep clean so that now you start baking cookies and doing all this stuff. You really got everything really in good shape, ready to go. And, you know, if you dust the refrigerator coils off the back, things like that, deep clean that oven, these things will, you know, run more efficiently and actually lower your energy bills as you're using them more, you know, around the holidays if you're baking a lot more and stuff like that. So, you know, have them work as efficiently as they can for you. And, you know, Saving energy costs, you know, is is definitely a big thing in the cold winter months. And, you know, thinking about doing things around the house that can help out for that, you know, caulking window trims and stuff from the inside, just trying to stop air infiltration, um, you know, around the, the inside of the band board of the basement of your home. If you kind of look around there, there's a lot of you know, pipes and wires and things that come in and out, doing some foam insulation around those areas on the inside of the, the band board of the home around the basement is a great thing to do to really help those energy bills and keep that cold outside and don't let that air, you know, infiltrate in on you and don't let it get, you know, so cold. But, you know, it's December, it's getting colder. So think about indoor projects, just different things that you can do, you know, around the house, maybe some easy DIY stuff. There's a lot of like trim projects. Think about 
adding trim, doing some, you know, Wayne's coating that could have a, a timeless look. You don't have to, you know, do a full, you know, finished carpentry type, you know, Wayne's coating. You can do just the picture frame, picture molding squares right on the drywall, do a little chair rail, paint that, the trim color along with the drywall and everything. And it's a little, you know, easier method. A lot of DIYers could do that and, you know, get some really nice looking wainscoting around the room. So, you know, think about some of those nicer, easier interior projects that you could do throughout the winter to just kind of spruce in that house up and, you know, brighten it up a bit is a really, really, you know, good thing to do. And in, in, in December, January, we're going to have a lot more, you know, of those wintry, cloudy days, not as bright outside, kind of like today, everything's overcast and you just don't get the really bright, you know, sunlight in the doors and windows and everything. So, you know, doing some things to help brighten up the inside of the home can really, you know, brighten that space up, can really just help everyone, you know, feel better in the home, you know, feel like you're getting that light, everything in there. So that is, um, you know, definitely something that's worth looking into doing around the month of December. So the, another main thing for December is get ready for the snow. It will come, maybe not till January, maybe, you know, maybe we'll have a white Christmas, but getting prepared, having your, you know, ice melt, the proper ice melt ready to go, snow shovels ready to go, put them where you can get to them, you know, think about that process and, and what you're going to have to do. So maybe put a snow shovel by the back porch so that it's there, you know, ready to go for you. Um, and then, you know, a, another great thing I always love to do in, in you know, December, January is just kind of think of uncluttering. Think of, you know, out with the old, in with the new. Christmas, we're going to be getting a lot of stuff. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff. So think about thinning the herd, you know, getting rid of some old toys, some old linens, uh, maybe donating some stuff would be great. Some old clothes, you know, clean out that closet a bit. Just kind of take this inside time to reorganize think about what you use all the time, what you don't, that sort of thing. And the last thing on my list for December to, to remember to do, check into, check for all the tax credits that you could get. So if you've done, you know, work around your house, if you've had any repairs done, you know, Ameren, um, Laclede Gas, they always have tax incentives for people. So if you upgraded your furnace or your water heater or anything like that, you know, think about those projects you've done and check into it and make sure there isn't any tax credits that you could get for, you know, getting more energy efficient units and stuff like that. So a lot of people, you know, forget about that by the end of the year, especially if you did it, you know, early in the year, January, February, March or something, it's really easy to forget about. So look into those tax credits if you have done any work around your home. But for now, I think we're going to get into our middle break here for this first hour. So for everybody out there, feel free to give me a call. Anything you need about your house, 314-436-7900. Looking forward to hearing from everybody. And we'll get into our break and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we are back, and Rich Orr is here filling in for Scott Mosby. So, got a lot of great information today, but we do have the phone lines lighting up for us. So if you have anything going on, any question about around your home, remodeling your home, anything, feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900. So speaking of the phones, let's start with uh, Bob. He had called in earlier, had a question for us. So Bob, uh, can you hear me this time? Can you hear me this time? I can hear you, Bob. Thanks hey, for great. calling. Hey, so here's here's my question. Uh, I've got a water heater, and I've got the uh, the hot pipes coming off the water heater and the cold pipes. And on the cold side, I I'm constantly getting corrosion. Uh, this is on the piece that about maybe two or three inches up off of the water heater itself. There's a six sided uh, bolt connection, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm. And, you know, is there is there a reason for that? Because the other side is perfectly fine. And actually, I have another water heater that's doing perfectly fine. Is there a metal problem where it's like not, I don't know. I'm just, what is your, so what do you think? It's kind of like white and orange corrosion around like a fitting where it exactly. locks. Exactly. That's okay. That's correct. So there's two things that could be going on and, you know, great explanation. I really appreciate that because you've kind of almost already eliminated one of them because the first thing that, that happens on some of these is just, you know, condensation. If you're, if you're in the basement and, you know, you're getting air infiltration, you're getting temperatures, you know, mixing in that basement and you have high humidity, you know, the pipes can just kind of get wet and condensate. And then that, that wetness collects, you know, as it runs down around those fittings and that's where you start to get your corrosion. But the fact that you said, you know, and it can happen on like cold, but not hot or hot, but not cold, depending on the, what the temperatures are, you know, in, in the basement. But when you said you had a second water heater and this is only happening on the cold side on one water heater, um, and I'm guessing these water heaters are probably relatively close to one another in the same unfinished space anyways. Um, exactly. then yeah, correct. It, I would go straight to, you have a very slow leak in that fitting of just water kind of seeping out of it a tad. And okay. it's just, you know, probably getting wet and, and causing that corrosion. It's kind of, same thing as if you think about like a, a drain, like a cast iron stack drain, when you start to get that corrosion on the side, it basically means the pipe is thinning and the moisture is coming either through a crack in the pipe or, you know, through the pores of the pipe and starting that corrosion. So on, you know, lead, copper, um, galvanized stuff, all that where those fittings join, if it starts, you know, just that slow, slow leak. Um, and a lot of times you can't even see the leak because it's kind of under, once the corrosion gets there, it's kind of under the corrosion. So I would what's say. What's the solution? What do you think? What do you, what's the best way to correct that? It depends on the what the exact fitting is. So if it's a dialectic union where, you know, it's a, it's a 
nut that screws off and you can separate those two pipes and they've got a rubber piece in between it, you could take that apart, clean it really well, change that rubber piece and then put it all back together without having to like, you know, put new pieces on or new fittings on. Otherwise it'd be just replace the fitting itself, cut it all out of there, put some new fittings in and, and get that slow leak to, uh, to, to stop. Sound like a plumber issue to me, you know? Uh. Yeah, could be very well. Yeah. And we see this a lot too on the shutoffs, you know, around the shutoffs, around the nuts behind the handle. So if you look at, you know, kind of inspect all of the shutoffs to your plumbing around the, the water heater in the basement, if you see any with that corrosion, you know, around the nut close to the pipe behind the handle, that is the same things happening. And what will happen is if you ever need to shut that off, you it might not work very well. So if you get a plumber in, might think about if there's any other spots, you know, have them take care of all of them at once or be efficiencies in doing two or three of these instead of just one. Now, you know, it costs more, but not three times more. Now? Is this a dangerous situation where it's corroding? I'm, I think I'm thinking that maybe the pipe itself may corrode away at some point you know well it it could and um so if you have anything finished down there if you have any finished areas because this is a supply line so this is the supply line you know getting the cold water to the heater then if it does break if it does you know totally come apart you know it's like a the hose to your washing machine breaking Sure. You know, yeah. it's a constant supply of water. It won't stop unless you shut it off. So if it happens and you don't know, and it's just spraying out water outside, it could run that way for two or three days. You might not even know it, you know, and, and well, yeah. So, uh, so it more, could be question for you. Yeah. Sure. Quick question. My, uh, this is, I'm checking on my humidifiers right now and I've got this, uh, 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 internet connected uh, thermostat tells me my humidity is about 49% right now, which is high. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That so I'm looking at is my, high. my humidifier setting uh, should be on about 40 or 35 or what? Well, I would say um, that that's really very hard to tell because those settings basically – the, the 30, 35, 40, 40, you know, all that on the settings does not mean that if you put it on 40, it's going to make the humidity in your house 40%. It's just saying it's going to work not as hard or not put as much humidity in the home as 50. And 30 or 35 will be, you know, less added than 40. So really, it, it, you have to monitor that relative humidity in the home and then move that accordingly. So right now, if you're on 40 and it's showing 49% at the thermostat, I would back it down to like 30 and then, then, then watch it, let it run for, you know, a day or two and then watch where it ends up on that thermostat reading. Um, When you go higher instead of lower. So if you go up to 50, I think 50 is the maximum number on that. Wouldn't that be the driest? Um, 
Well, are you talking about a humidifier on your furnace or a dehumidifier? A humidifier. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure if you go down, it's putting less. I I, I think so. Um, so this, where it would add I mean, less moisture to the, to the air. Think, yeah. So if I, yeah. if I go down, it's going to make it less humid in here? I I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, it should. Well, um, but it, the key is monitoring that humidity, so checking that thermostat and seeing what it's reading at, but also understanding that that thermostat reads the relative humidity in one location. So your house can be different from the basement to the first floor sure. to the second floor. So what I always recommend, and I learned this one directly from Scott too, was um, you can buy the little bitty, you know, they're a little flat, like three inch wide, four inch tall, you know, uh, digital hygrometers that monitor relative humidity. You know, we used to get them at Radio Shack. Of course, you know, you probably have to search Amazon or something now, maybe. But if you buy one of those for each floor of the home and set them somewhere, you know, set one in the basement, you know, put one on each floor, or maybe you don't need the main floor because you've got the one on the thermostat, but you can kind of monitor that relative humidity level on different levels because you could have it at, you know, 40 on the main floor and maybe it's still 50 in the basement and you just don't realize because you've got some moisture, you've got something else going on. So it's good to monitor all floors for that and, um, you know, just see, monitor them all and then treat them all differently. So you might end up needing to do something different in the basement than is for the rest of the house or something, but it is good to sure. monitor all the areas and really okay. you don't want it to be, you know, over 50 is like way, way too high. Um, yeah, 40 so, to yeah. 45% is pretty ideal in, in any, okay. any level of the house. So does that help you, Bob? Okay. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your help. Awesome. No problem. I appreciate the call. And we've also, we're going to get into our break here, our final break for this first hour, but we've got Scott and John, if you can hold the line and then anybody else wants to call in, we got next segment and a whole hour left after that. Feel free to give us a call 314-436-7900. We'll jump into our break and be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we are back. Rich Orr's here, filling in for Scott Mosby, who is, uh, you know, maybe taking a holiday break. Good for him. Get some time off, get some holiday stuff done. So I'm here to help everyone out. Uh, again, for, for those of you that, that just tuned in or don't know me yet, I am a uh, sales consultant for Mosby Building Arts. So I've been working side by side with Scott for almost 20 years now, over 19. And, you know, just uh, love doing the right thing, like this show, love helping out and just getting good, being a good advisor, getting good information to people, uh, do everything I can 
every time I can. So if you have any questions about your home, anything going on or any remodeling things you're, you're thinking about doing, maybe you want some advice on, you know, how to's or materials, feel free to give me a shout today, 314-436-7900. And right now we have, uh, a few callers on the line. So let's go straight to Scott and uh, see what uh, Scott has going on. Are you with us, Scott? Yes, I am. And thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. I live out in Baldwin and our subdivisions at the bottom of a hill. It's probably a 18 foot incline, 15 to 8 foot incline up to the older subdivision behind us. Oh, okay. The house directly behind me um, their yard slopes are way a gradual slope, um, but they took all their downspouts the other day and connected six-inch pipes to them and ran one pipe out on one side of the house and the other pipe out on the other side of the house towards my backyard. Um, okay. They stopped about 20, 25 feet maybe away from their house. And then the pipe turns up at an elbow to the surface, and it's probably uh -huh. about maybe 10 feet from my property. Is that code? Can they dump that water straight back like that without yes. having any ground to absorb it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. That is code. And we we do that type of work all the time. We do recommend it um, that, you know, that most people have that done unless you're really on a steep grade and that water really runs away fast. It's good to get it, you know, out away from your house, away from your foundation. The, there are the only things that change a little bit with the codes, depending on where you're at is where you can put that discharge. Um, there's a certain distance from the street and there's a certain distance from your property lines that you have to stay away from like the side and the backyard, you know, property line. I believe in Baldwin, um, I believe it's, it's like 15 feet from the street. And I do believe it's like eight or 10 feet from a property line from side okay. or back. So if they're a good 10 feet back, um, that really probably does, you know, meet the restrictions there. You could, you know, call up to the city and just say, hey, I'm just curious, you know, if we run them out, how how far away from the side yard property line, the backyard property line are, are we required to keep these pop-ups for the water? Because um, it is different in different places. I have seen some that are like 15 feet and such. But um, so so don't quote me on the exact distance, but usually okay. 10 feet is a pretty good distance and, you know, does give some ground for the, the ground to absorb water, you know, running off and stuff like that. But um, so is it causing you any problems? Are you getting excess water now? Because it's well, not I as much as absorbing in. We just did a couple of days ago. We get seepage. <laughs> My yard is fairly flat, so in the springtime during the rain, with their their water up there compounding with my water, um, mm -hmm. our our backyard stays pretty soupy. I have two tie walls there; uh, they're old oak tie walls, which are due to be replaced here sometime soon. But you know they're not that bad. But uh -huh. I just know his problem now is going to become my problem. I, yeah. I hope not, but I'm just afraid in a downpour that. Uh, 
it's just not going to have as as much room as it did to uh, to absorb the the rain the runoff. Yep, yep. And so what I might you know sit, recommend you pay good attention to. So if you when you go to replace those those walls, mm-hmm. um, the just make sure that whoever you're speaking with is really talking a lot about that water and the drainage and stuff that they put because what they put behind that wall can really maybe potentially help your situation of collecting that excess water and moving it to a different location, you know, around that wall or whatever, where it'll, you know, hopefully help dry some of that out for you. So there should do really good drainage, you know, behind that new block retaining wall, you know, when they do it. So do like he did and just think it's somebody else's problem. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, yes, that's kind of how a lot of that works. It kind of keeps, you know, it's all going to roll downhill. It kind of keeps moving and and you kind of collect it and, and put it down. And if you stay within the stipulations kind of so far from the property line and everything, then you've done the best thing, you know, yeah, I would, like I said, I would say do. they're good. I would say they're a good 10 feet. So they're probably yeah. within code. Then I just, I wasn't aware that you could do that. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, what they did was up to code just in case I have problems with my wall or problems with my basement. Yep. Yep. No, nope. right, they I, did. I, they, they, they did well. So, um, not a problem. I really love the call. Great question, Scott. Um, and uh, so, and this is a big deal for everybody, you know, out there is, um, you know, it's definitely one of my topics that I, I had, you know, ready for today was talking about, you know, yard drainage pipes, groundwater, you know, away from the home, what our recommendations are in the minimums. And, you know, some of the clients and stuff that I deal with all the time that, you know, we, Mosby, we do a lot of these, uh, a lot of these pipes and a lot of these, you know, issue solving things with the water and, and moving it away and stuff. We do that stuff all the time for everybody. And, um, you know, it's just a great thing to do, but, you know, like Scott's great question you need to really do the math, figure it out, make sure you're doing it right, make sure you're doing it well, and make sure you're uh, you're applying to all of those, you know, local codes and stuff so that, you know, you're not making that problem any, any worse. You're kind of shifting it, but you're not making it any worse for the next person than you have to. So putting that pop-up, you know, right against the fence line or something can really cause more issues, you know, for other people. So you want to make sure you've got the ground um, to do it. And another part of that code is, you know, if you have sewers around, if you have a sewer, like say in the corner of your backyard, uh, you cannot run those pipes into that sewer. MSD does not want any excess, you know, stuff getting there. It's kind of the same in that code. You have to be, you know, 10, 10 feet or so from the sewer to pop it out to grade so that you don't cause more issues with the sewer system and give it, you know, an area to run off to and everything. So uh, we've got a couple more callers on the line here. If you guys could manage to hold through the break, that would be great. We are going to get into our final break for this hour. And then 
a whole nother hour to come. So feel free. Call in with your questions, 314-436-7900, and we'll get to all these other callers when we get back. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Rich Orris, Senior Sales Consultant for Mosby Building Arts. Taking the reins here, filling in for Scott Mosby today. Just getting started on hour two with everybody. So um, phone lines are definitely wide open if you need anything about your house. If you've noticed anything, feel free to give me a call today. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And, you know, I wanted to real quick before we get back to the phones, just remind everybody again, um, our uh, Mosby Building Arts food drive with Operation Food Search going on in the month of December. So we've been in it for a couple weeks. Uh, Mosby plans to match up to $5,000 worth of donations. And the neat thing about this is, you know, what we've kind of learned from them is every every dollar that you you donate they can buy almost 10 times of services of food and food services to help people more than we could actually buy and donate, which makes this kind of so nice. Cause if you donate a, a dollar canned good, well, they can get, you know, up to like 10 of those same canned goods, you know, in and donate and stuff to help them out with that $1. So if you, you know, the rules that apply, go to our website, callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. You'll see the, the ad right there, the link right up at the top. Go through there, make your donation, even if it's five dollars. It's just and everything helps. And and you know what? Get us to donate our full five thousand dollars from Mosby. And when you do, you're entered to win one lucky uh person donating will win a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. So that's kind of a cool thing. So go through our website and donate to that and get with that. And if you are looking for that uh, 10% discount that I was talking about earlier from Mosby. You want to have me out to your home. Maybe we can look at it right now. We've got a discount on, you know, right bath, semi-custom bathrooms, windows, doors, and siding, exterior, stuff like that all has a 10% discount, but you got to make your appointment by the 15th. So you only have a couple days. You could do it online over the weekend. You can call in on Monday and uh, make that set up that appointment with us to, to get that discount in. It is a great thing. But for now, let's get back to the phones here. I want to see if uh, Carrie is still on the line with us. And uh, Carrie, can you hear me? I can. Awesome. How are you doing today? What do you got going on? I'm, I'm great, Rich. Happy holidays. Um, I got a question Thank you. in my mouth. My mom's um, faucet, kitchen faucet, really wasn't, there was no water pressure. So yesterday we had somebody come out and change the faucet out. And when they did that, they found that the lines were clogged with calcium. And I'm wondering if I have to replace all the lines to all the utilities, like my washer, 
the other bathrooms, as well as get a water softener. Um, does if I get the water softener, um, will that help in any way with those deposits on the inside? Um, so, a uh, water softener will help. You know, not have as many deposits on the inside. It will kind of change. You know, the, comp- the composite of the water, so you don't get as much. Uh, but it won't help with, um, like you were asking. You know, what's already happened or what's already there. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you know either um, how old's the home or what kind of water lines are in the home? Did the plumber say? They were. Well, he checked the outside pressure and the inside pressure, and we had tons of water pressure, so it wasn't the the pressure itself. It was definitely okay. the lines going to the kitchen sink. And then once we did that, the, it's now it's great. I mean, it's it's working great. But I guess preventatively, um, if I got a water softener, you know, would that it wouldn't it wouldn't take the calcium that's already in the lines out, would it? It would not. It would just change, you know, the water that's coming in so that the new water won't, you know, create as much of it. Um, and, and so the changing the lines and then the did the plumber say anything about the age of the, the water heater? Because the water heater is another spot where you get a lot of that. Um, so changing the water heater might be okay. another piece that gets rid of you know the the calcium that are in the lines and that's in there because you could get rid of it in all you know replacing plumbing lines but if there's a bunch in the water heater and it starts churning it up and sending more through then you just you know you you get more of it so i've definitely you know the water heaters create a lot of those calcium deposits as well so Yep. Um, so, so the only hundred percent fix to get rid of all that calcium all at once would be to change everything, the water heater, every plumbing line, you know what I mean? And you don't necessarily need to go there, but you know, getting it where it was bad and then thinking about that water heater, the age and everything, um, mm-hmm. the average life expectancy is, you know, a lot shorter than it used to be. So we're talking like 10 to like 15 years. So okay. if you're, if you're 12 years old on the water heater, it might be, you know, a little proactive to say, you know what, let's get it all done. If, so if you get the water heater changed, any pipes replaced, and then you get that water softener, you'll be set up so it shouldn't happen as much in the future. Okay. I got another question, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. I live in, I'm building a home in Chesterfield, and I have a, right now I'm going to finish my basement. Um, and I want to put a hand railing also out in the front. Do I need permits for that to put in a bathroom in the basement and a hand railing on the outside from the city? You know. Um, so the the hand railing on the outside, you really should not need a permit for nah. primarily because if if there wasn't a handrail required, then you're probably not required to have one. So you're not high enough off the ground to you know, be required to have it be a certain way, you know, and and stuff like that. So if it's only, you know, two or three steps and you were never required to have a handrail, then you can add pretty much whatever helps you out. And it's, you know, you're going to be good. The bathroom in the basement. Yes. When you're 
adding plumbing lines and hooking up to plumbing drains and any plumbing or electrical work you're going to do behind a wall. So you're going to build walls and then you're going to enclose this stuff inside the walls. 100% required for um, the uh, permits and everything to go through and get that bathroom done. Um, And do you have, when they built the home, did they put in an egress from the basement? They, they have, yes, it's not done yet, but yes, there is an egress. Okay, so that's so, good because they'll require that usually when you go to finish that basement anymore. Even if it's not a bedroom, they'll just want that egress put in. So it's good that they're doing it now when you're building because it's definitely a lot easier to do at that time. Thank you much. I appreciate all your help. No problem. You are very welcome. Great questions. Uh, appreciate uh getting on there with you and everything. And uh, for uh, Craig and John, if you can hold the line through this next break, I will get back to you guys as soon as we get back. And for anybody else, feel free to give us a call. 314-436-7900. And we'll have more to come after this. All right. We are back. Rich Orris here filling in for Scott Mosby. And we have a couple callers on the line and plenty of time left in this hour to get more in. So feel free to give me a call. Anything you need today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So we've got uh, Craig and Dallas on the line. So let's go to Craig has a question for us about some flooring, I believe. Craig, are you with us? I am. Good afternoon. Awesome. Thanks for calling. Good afternoon, sir. And happy holidays. What do you got going on? Earlier in your call, you had a uh, caller you discussed relative humidity. Uh, Wanted to share my situation and get your thoughts on uh, what I may have going on. I have a home, single story, was built in 89. Uh, it's on a crawl space. Uh, three years ago, my wife and I decided that we were going to install hardwood flooring. So okay. the dealer had a question about whether or not hardwood flooring would be appropriate for us since we're on a crawl space. They came out, they checked the relative humidity, uh, determined that we were fine uh, to move forward with that installation. So we installed bamboo hardwood flooring. The dealer told us we should keep the relative humidity somewhere between 40 and 60. Uh, So we do have a humidifier that we run. Um, We keep the relative humidity probably averages around 50 to 55 uh, consistently. But I've noticed in the last um, four to six months that the hardwood flooring is starting to cup in places. And in one corner of the living room, it actually um, it, it floats. When you step on it, you can kind of push it down. Uh, I believe when they installed it, they nailed it down. I've heard some people say that hardwood flooring, particularly bamboo, should be screwed down. So just want to get your thoughts. Okay, sure. Um, so as far as the installation of the bamboo um i I personally have not seen a lot of hardwood flooring getting screwed down it's it's all usually you know either glued or nailed um if you're on subfloors it's pretty much nailed um so i i don't know about boy it would add a lot of labor to screw down a hardwood floor um i would i would think um but 
So I, I don't know that that's a cause of your problem. I've seen a lot of bamboo nailed down that didn't have problems. Um, so the two things that I would really look into is, um, one, I would say, have you been in that crawl space in a while um, to see, just to see if anything is different or has changed down there? Um, just, just to make sure there's, you know, nothing going on. And I ask that because, you know, circumstances change. And I, I literally a couple, well, maybe a couple years ago or so, um, had had a client with the exact same problem that, and I said, they were like, yeah, well, we don't go in the crawl space. I said, well, can I look in there? And they took everything out of the closet and I went to get in the crawl space and there was about six inches of water in the crawl space. And I was like, well, see, yep, there you go. You know, there's a major water issue and you're going to need some work in the crawl space. So checking that out just to make sure circumstances haven't changed would be something I would recommend for sure. And, but I'd also say that I think the, the 60% humidity like the 40 to 60 that the dealer recommended um really in most stuff that we've studied and seen is that 60 is way too high um for for the home and i would say your 55 percent humidity to to me is too high for the home and i would back that down to about 45%. I would say, you know, the goal is between 40 and 50. Anything over 50, we, we kind of recommend is too high. If you could keep it at 45%, which is impossible, but that would be your goal, you know, is to try okay. it. If it starts getting to 40, maybe you loosen up a little bit. If it starts getting to 50, try and dry it out a little bit and just kind of, kind of monitor that. And it also would not hurt to check out the relative humidity in that crawl space. Cause that is a completely different area. So what I tell you is get a digital hygrometer that, you know, shows temperature. You could buy the ones that show do they do the work inside and out. So there's like a cord where you could put it like outside your window. Um, okay. and, and, and have the, so basically put the, the digital hygrometer near that crawl space access and put the cord inside the crawl space with the little sensor. So it'll read inside the, the main part of the home and inside the crawl space. Cause that could be way different. And you could, okay. you know, if you're 55 in the main house, you could be 65 down below, you know, you just, so, so monitoring both areas is important. What level of relative humidity would you recommend for the crawl space? I mean, if the humidity is high, then I'm thinking I would probably have to buy a dehumidifier Correct. for the crawl space. Yep. Where yep, and I would recommend humidity... the same. You know, same percent, about 45. If you keep it at 45, you're doing real good in the crawl space and the main part of the home. Okay. So if I address the relative humidity in the crawl space and the relative humidity inside the home, will that correct the cupping in the uh, hardwood it, flooring? It could. It, 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 I've seen it correct that cupping and hardwood flooring a lot. Um, it doesn't always 100% correct it, but it can correct it. And the other thing that you can consider, too, is... You know, and it might take a while for, so for the wood to dry out, it's going to take longer than 
your actual, you know, once you get your humidity to like say 45, it's going to take a while to get all the moisture out of the wood. So another thing that you could consider is a moisture meter to check the wood where you actually see what the moisture content in the wood is. Okay. And, and that'll kind of answer that question too, um, to where, you know, cause there's like a certain percentage. I don't know the percentage of the wood offhand, if it's like eight or 18 or, you know, there's a certain percentage you want to kind of stay at. And that's why you don't want to get below, you know, 40 or, you know, you get about 30 or 35 relative humidity. You're going to dry that out so much, then the wood won't have enough moisture in it. So it's trying to keep it in that, that perfect area is really hard, but you know, a moisture meter could really help you make sure that, you know, your, how much moisture is in that wood. Cause you could have your house, right. And you're like, why is the moisture still so high in the wood? And it just, you can monitor it and take a little longer, but so you probably okay. will see that, that cupping go down. I just can't guarantee it. So. Okay. Do I want to maintain a relative humidity level of 40 to 45 in the home year round? Yes. Yep. So in, yeah, yeah. So you might be running, you know, in the winter when it dries out, you might be running humidifiers. And in the summer, if it gets wetter, you might be running dehumidifiers to kind of okay. keep it where you need it. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thank you for your, thank you for your feedback. I appreciate that. Absolutely. No problem. I love helping out and everything. And so for uh, Dallas and George, if you can hold the line through the break, we're going to take our middle break here and I will get straight to both of you when we return. Okay, we are back. And man, this is just I love this KMOX community. Um, all the calls, all the questions, great questions. We've had a ton of great questions. And speaking of calls and great questions, I'm just going to get right back into this. Let's see if uh, George is on the line with us has a question for us. Are you there, George? I am. Awesome. Thanks am. for calling. What's uh, what's ailing you today? So I have a ranch house, I have a great room, and then lead into the bedrooms, I got like an archway. And the drywall is cracked vertically. And I had a taper come out, and he took the old tape down, took the old screws out, redid it, retaped it. That was about three months ago. In about a month, it reappeared. He came back out, did it again and it cracked again. So what, what's causing it, or how can I fix it? So um, let me ask you a couple quick questions here. So this vertical crack, it's over top of the archway, like going from yeah. the archway to the ceiling? Exactly. Um, okay, so is that in a vaulted, like, living room area or something? Is the ceiling higher yes, uh, in one room ceiling. than the other? Yes. Okay, so... Because there's a there's basically two things that that can be going on, um, and you know one is going to be like the home settling. It's you know if if your house is settling, moving, you know stuff like that. You, you get these cracks in places like that because you know one side's dropping and one side's staying the same. But with you having it happen you know, so many times, so often after they fix it, um, 
I, I would guess you're probably in that second area where um, you, you have some movement in the framing of the home. Um, how old is, is your house? 17 years old. 17 years old. Okay, so it's it's a newer um, conventional, um, you know, truss, roof trusses and stuff like that. So we definitely see this, you know, all the time where you've got wood expanding, contracting, kind of moving. Um, they call it truss lift, where um, sometimes you'll see the cracks open up in the winter and kind of close up in the summer because your wood is kind of expanding, contracting. It's still like a tree. It wants to like grow and move and, you know, all of that, that they've milled this down from. So, you know, basically in, in the newer wood, they're, they're growing it so fast and getting it cut and milled and put into trust form and all this stuff so fast. That's why it's happening a little more often in today's, you know, conventional framing and trusses and stuff like that. So that truss is moving um, and, and causing those cracks to happen. And, you know, something would need to happen from like the attic side in the framing to try and hold that back, secure it and, and see if you can get that movement to stop um, from occurring, however that's happening. So unless you just, you know, really got, you know, a bad tape job, um, which I, I couldn't imagine, you know, anybody that's that, you know, would, would do it that poorly a couple times in a row and have it come back within a month. So I'm kind of doubtful of that, but yeah, um, he fixed some other cracks and I don't have any issues. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you know, you, you've, you've got some kind of trust heave movement, um, going on as the wood shrinks because you know humidity is going down in the winter and drying out it's it's moving that and and recracking that and yep that's you're gonna have to and sometimes it's like almost impossible you, you may do something and it just you know isn't quite good enough um sometimes it's actually the reverse of what i'm saying is kind of disconnecting that trust from you know some some wood members holding this stuff from the other trusses so that it can kind of do less of its own thing. Cause it could be the next one over moving and helping pull it or something. So it's kind of get up there, examine, see if there's something we think would help and then try it from there and, and you know, see if it helps, but it's a trial and error kind of process that really isn't guaranteed, but it's definitely, gotcha. I believe it's in your wood. So and what yep. kind of type of people do I hire for that? Well, so I would say give our office a call at Mosby um, because it's really going to take, you know, one of our consultants that's done a lot of, you know, issue fixing, framing, you know, stuff like that, that can really, we'll have to go up in there and figure it out. Um, so there's really... You know, there, there's, I don't know that there's a lot of companies, framing type companies and stuff that want to even venture into something like that. But yeah, you can give us a call and we, we work on stuff like that all the time. And, you know, we do big jobs, small jobs, you know, everything kind of in between. So we can definitely have one of our sales consultants come out 
take a peek and see what's going on, what we think, and if we think there's something that can help or not. You know, I, I'd honestly say we're we're going to be your best bet. Okay. Thank you. So, no problem. And our number is uh, 314-909-1800. You can give us a call or anybody else, you know, on the lines today. You want to have me out, you want to have things checked out, feel free to give us a call and uh, we'll come out and see what we can do to help everybody. So appreciate the call and let's uh, let's uh, get into our break here. Um, so Dallas, if you can still hold the line, I think we'll jump into our break and get you on as soon as we get back in the final segment. And for anybody else, if you want to try and get in, feel free to give us a call. We'll uh, do that more when we return. All right. Rich Orr here, senior sales consultant for Mosby Building Arts, filling in for Scott Mosby today. And we have in our final segment here, Dallas is on the line, has a question for us. So, um, Dallas, are you there? Yes, I am, Rich. And uh, I thank you very much for what you do. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Thank you for holding the line so long. You've been here uh, well, longer than you should have. I've been but anxious we had... to talk to you. <laughs> Good. Perfect. So what do you have going on today? I have a home that was built in uh, 86, and I have a lot of uh, windows in there that are actually, I believe they're patio door windows, uh, uh -huh. like floor to six foot six and a half feet above the floor sure. and I'm trying to decide what to do with them. I know I could re replace them. I want to put some windows that are not that tall. I want to get them off the floor and put some furniture in front of the windows and things like that. Um, anyway, uh, and so I wondered if you ever had run across where people have taken those windows like that and I want it to look the same on the outside except maybe look like it's got a blind or something coming up from the floor and then on the inside I wanted to I don't want to look see the blind I want to make it look like a, a wall that was a in, inside wall in other words I want to put maybe a, a panel in front of each one of the windows and tie them together uh, so they look like a finished wall I, I don't want it to look kludgy or anything like that when I get done but the glass okay. is ex excellent, and uh, and it's good thermal thermal pain, and uh, I hate to just tear it out and put in some other windows. So that's what I'm thinking about wanting to do, and I wanted to know if you experienced anything like that. Um, so the uh, the glass itself is is not fogging up or anything. You have no, no issues clear. whatsoever. Okay, perfect. perfect. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, typically the, what you're talking about normally, you know, yeah, it, in doing something like that, you would change the outside too, and kind of, you know, raise the wall, put new glass, um, and, and that sort of thing. But I think in, in your case, what you could probably consider doing, if you want to leave that outside like that. So if we get, um, if you get blinds, for the windows that, you know, they make blinds now that actually are, you know, bottom up, top down, where they can work both directions. So if you've got those blinds, if you had them installed and you put them down at the bottom and you raised them up as high as you wanted them, then 
you know, that kind of furniture height, then yeah, you can kind of accomplish exactly what you're talking about from the outside. You just have a blind that's from, you know, the floor up to as high as you want it, you know, blocking the view inside, you know, of the window. So now when you come to the, the inside of the house, to create that look of like a wall or something like that, you know, I, I would, I wouldn't want to build anything in front of that window that's super permanent because if you ever need to work on the blinds, change the blinds, something like that, you're, you'd have, you know, wouldn't have space to get down in there very well. But if you could build kind of like a removable, you know, wall type, maybe with, kind of like a sill cap or something on top of it that got kind of just easily removable, but mounted. So it doesn't tip or fall over or something like that, you know, in front of that window on the inside of the wall, leave a little space behind it from the blinds for air movement and stuff like that. Then you could probably, you know, create that look from the inside that says, you know, there's just kind of a wall behind you. Um, but, you know, you, you wouldn't want to put electricity or anything inside of it that makes it kind of not movable. It almost needs to be kind of like, think of it as like a furniture piece, you know, that kind of just blocks that window. But you could take out, you know, four or five or six screws or something and move it very easily. So if you needed to clean the window change the blinds, work on stuff. Maybe it could come out of the way in order to do something. I wouldn't recommend building anything really permanent nope. in front of that window. Um, well, the, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That That's why I'm calling. I'm, yeah. I was hoping that, uh, that you might be able or had experience with somebody maybe they've taken a, a styrofo styrofoam uh, piece and maybe uh Put a, 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 like a blind material on the out, outside of it that faces out, but stuck it in the window close to the window, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, where, where it wouldn't be a fabric thing, it'd be part of that panel that you would pull out. And uh, I was wondering if you had any problems with doing that with an insulated glass, maybe with humidity buildup. What would be something yeah. when I have? pull out of there all the time because that would be a concern. I, I had a experience with uh, in a home where I had patio door glass that had been put down in uh, six by six cedar timbers and the inside stayed nice and the outside rotted. That, that was done in the 70s. I think they did a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, anyway, that's yeah, yeah. I, I haven't had you know, I haven't designed and installed and done a lot of these things, but there is a lot of concern for humidity, moisture. You know, that's why I wouldn't do anything permanent. But you right. know, we could definitely Mosby could definitely take a look at it and, and try and figure, try and help figure something out that might work for you that you know can can help with that, so that maybe we're not that concerned about it leaving some airspace stuff like that we can think in depth with those thoughts and everything else so i'd really you know without seeing it i would really recommend if you if you are interested call our office okay. um, and you know have us come out and take a look at it and see you know what we think how it could work we can kind of examine it and advise 
and see if there's something we could do to, you know, create that for you and, and make it so it's not damaging everything over the, over the years, you yeah. know? So I would try that if uh, that would work for you. Our office number is 314-909-1800. Is that good, George? That, that's good. And, uh, or Dallas, I'm sorry. Again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no that's my middle I name, really so that'll work. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, great question. Very interesting. Something we could definitely help out with. And we've got just a couple minutes. So let's go to Sarah. Um, and see if we could help her before we're out of here. Sarah, are you with us? Yes, I am. I have a, hopefully a quick question. I have a full sure. height walkout basement uh, uh, part of my foundation. It, it's the uh -huh. full height of the, of the basement. And yep. it has a normal basement window in it, you know, one of those smaller ones. And uh -huh. I would like to put a large egress window for more light in that space what does that do to the integrity of the foundation so if done correctly it is perfectly fine to do and and will not harm you know the integrity of that foundation you can cut that concrete out bigger get you know a bigger you need a bigger header and all that stuff up top to kind of support the the house that's above it but mm -hmm. um it's perfectly fine to do. We do it all the time where we're digging out um, ground or not. Like your case, you wouldn't need to dig out the ground, but you could cut that opening bigger, put in some framing and everything and install a bigger window. Or you could literally go the rest of the way down and do like a double door with glass in the door. If that's what you liked, you could do, you know, anything like that. And it would not, you know, wouldn't damage the integrity of that foundation you know, one bit. Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, you are very welcome. And you know, for, for, uh, you, Sarah and everybody else out there, um, we could definitely Mosby building arts. I go out and do this stuff every day. We can check all these type of things out for you and really advise and try and get some good information to you to make sure it's there. It's you were doing it right. And everything's going, and before I go, I also want to uh, remind everybody about that food drive Mosby's doing here um, in the month of December. So go to our website, callmosby.com. You can donate to Operation Food Search through our website. We'll match some amounts up to 5000 and you'll you could register to win that $100 Amazon gift card when you donate. So that is a really great thing also. So... I appreciate uh, filling in for Scott. Had a lot of fun today. It's pretty much what I do on a daily basis for all of Mosby's clients. I love helping out and hopefully getting some good information out there. So until next time, Scott should be back next week, and I will talk to everybody next time Scott wants to take a break. Have a good week, everyone.